Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Work-Wife Wine Time podcast the podcast for Australian women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women who are sharing the same business journey. You've got Makala here with you today, and I'm really looking forward to connecting you with my guest, Pam Poole, who is a self-discovery coach. And I've brought Pam onto the podcast today um, because she's kind of got a really interesting um tool take on these things um and today we're going to be talking about the wisdom of horses so first of all welcome to the podcast Pam thank you very much it's so good to be here I'm so glad that you're joining me today um and I actually wanted to tell you that I I was really interested when I read that you know, you wanted to come on the podcast and talk about horses and that kind of got me excited anyway because I love horses. I've (laughs) kind of, I've had a lot, well, I've had ebbs and flows (laughs) with having a lot to do with them throughout my life. I grew up in a regional area and had lots of friends who were on farms and had horses and I was on a horse every chance I could get but I never had formal lessons or anything like that and it's kind of been the case, you know, as I've gone through life, we've gone away on holidays and there's been an opportunity to go horse riding, I jump at it. But since I spoke to you last a couple of weeks ago when we talked about doing the episode, um, a friend of mine posted a photo on Facebook um, saying that, like, she got back her, she was up in the, um, I think somewhere around Cradle Mountain in Tasmania and she got the opportunity to go on a horse ride up there and she posted, oh, I love it. I used to do it all the time and I really missed it. And I didn't know this about her and we're quite good friends and we get together quite regularly. And so I sent her a message and was like, oh, my goodness, it's fantastic. I miss horses too. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we've both found a local um, horse riding school or it's a thing for tourists. They do a lot of rides, but they've got a program for locals who want to do regular horse riding. So we joined up, it's like a membership and then we get a discount on all the rides. So I'm so excited. <laughs> it's like, oh, I love it. <laughs> just started this thing for me with horses. <laughs> so I had it, you know, in on the brain and in my thoughts and, it all came together. So I was super excited and I'm I'm saying that this was my conversation with you that kind of kicked all this off. So <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so that's enough about me. So Pam, tell us a bit more about what you do as a self-discovery coach. Okay. So basically... Um... I use life coaching skills in combination with equine-assisted learning um, facilitation. Mm-hmm. And so it's very much about experiential learning when we're working with our horses um, in a way that lets us see ourselves because they're very much mirrors and they can show us so much about how to live in the present moment, how to let go of stress, you know, um, normal little arguments and things that we all have and we sulk about them for I don't know how long, but horses all have those and then go down and eat grass, you know, they just let go of it, you know, and that's such a wonderful example of self-regulation and relationships and allowing everything and everyone to be as it is you know, total acceptance. And so when we when we have them with us as co-facilitators and then we add the layer of the uniqueness of life coaching and the way it supports us um, to be curious about ourselves, mm-hmm. the combination is both revealing and 
allows us to move forward in a very free and safe way because there's no risk of judgment with horses. Mm, very true. So it's very, um, we like to call it um, a safe place of unsafety. So you're aware of, of the animal. And so that allows you to stay present, which is very important when we're doing any kind of, you know, looking at ourselves. But they're also a very safe space in comparison because there's no fear of judgment, non-acceptance. They're very truthful. So what you see is what you get. If they don't want to engage with you, they simply won't. No offense, it's not personal. It's really um, a beautiful way to experience and to have a new type of experience. So if you're a person who um, perhaps you're used to a lot of conflict in relationships or struggle to communicate um, in relationships, and as you know, that that will always be a reflection of our relationship with ourselves. Mm. So when we take that to the horse and we use that as that moment, that time when we're with the horse as a way to look at that and reflect and ask questions, the horses have a way of answering us that's really unique. So we have the experience and then the person might come back to me and my my only job as the practitioner is to observe and describe. Mm -hmm. So I might say, hey, I noticed this, you know, something that the horse did or didn't do or, you know, a facial expression. And the person gets to interpret that or express what that may or may not have meant for them. And it's always very revealing. They might say something like, I know, I don't know why they walked away from me, but I like that seems to always be happening. Ah. Interesting. How does that feel for you? What do you think that means? And so it reveals to us how we engage in relationship, whether it's with ourselves or whether it's with others. You know, do we tend to ignore ourselves? and our own needs or do we tend to listen and give ourselves the opportunity to decide whether or not this is a need or a want that we'll take action about mm -hmm. and it's such a um an expansive open space you know it's a bit like holding space as a coach except the horse holds all the space for you yeah, it's yeah. really beautiful. That that's amazing. All right, we're going to dig back into that in just a moment. I've got a few other questions to ask you. <laughs> so, what did you do before you became a coach? Mm. So, I've always been um, in the industry of helping. So, I'm also a qualified hairdresser, mm -hmm. and you know. <laughs> Like most hairdressers, we are very good usually at listening. Yeah. And we are also very good at confidentiality because mm -hmm. you just never know who you're talking to. Yeah. And usually it could be a friend of another client. So there's that. And then from there, I went um, into working with prisoners one-on-one -on -one in reintegration and rehabilitation. And so that was for 15 years Um and I know I look so much younger than yeah, what I am. You do. <laughs> I, I said that and thought, oh, God, I'm feeling <laughs> old as I say that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, so I did that for 15-odd years. And, and that was a really challenging role. And I think it was, it was like I learned so much. I went back to university. I did some psychology papers. We have a lot of training in the Department of Corrections um, with regards to you know, how do we um, encourage motivation for change? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we support people to find the resources? And, of course, we are all, or ideally, we all want to be our main resource. Mm -hmm. 
if we can be our main resource, then it's actually easier for us to find other resources that support that. But if we're not very self-resourceful, most of the time we don't even know where to begin to look. Yeah. So this is this is how I worked with prisoners one-on-one, -on -one, building them up towards release. And of course, like many things, as you get very good at something, bosses often want to give you the bigger challenges. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So by the time I decided I needed to move on from corrections, I was working primarily with very, very challenging, high-profile um, prisoners who were in for some pretty um, distressing crime. And what I hadn't realised, we don't get supervision or anything within that context, like say a social worker or a counsellor. We get lots of training. But we don't get that support that allows us to work with the impact, the emotional impact of what we're reading, hearing and seeing. Wow, that's surprising. Uh, very surprising, I know. So after about this long, um, I started to just, um, it's, I'm trying to find the right word, but I just knew I was no longer nothing felt right mm -hmm. and I felt like I was losing um, sight of I guess what was important to me and I started this sort of started to permeate this kind of I we'll call it dissatisfaction for a for lack of a better word right now but mm -hmm. this started to permeate and so I went looking okay, how do I help myself? Because I've always been a big help myself. I yeah. don't worry about relying on other people. I'm always about, well, you know, you know, I'll at least start with helping myself. So how do I find the help I need, you know? Mm -hmm. And I started um, looking and I found life coaching, okay? Mm -hmm. And as you know, we've, we've both heard of the life coaching school and, yep, Brooke Castillo and all of the other wonderful, amazing coaches that come under that particular umbrella. And like most people, that was pretty, I thought I knew a lot, <laughs> but that that was like, that really brought home to a much deeper level. Mm. And then as a result of that and the questions I started to ask myself, I realized, oh, I think I might have a bit of trauma that I haven't addressed here. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay. So I went and... I found actually a psychologist who had worked in corrections that I knew. So I knew her quite well. And I said, hey, this is the situation. And I, I think this might be a bit of an impact that's happened over a period of time from working with prisoners um, and having to deal with such a lot of detail about how and they've treated and their victims. Um, and as we were talking, she said, Oh, without a doubt, I can't like you. She said, I cannot believe you guys don't get any support for the emotional impact of, mm. of this work. And she was the one that said to me, Do you know what? I know she knows me well. And she said to me, I think you might enjoy EAL because she knew I have horses. I've always had horses. I like you, I love them. They are, I have too many, quite frankly, but I love them <laughs> and they're so individual. And my daughter loves them, you know. And I thought, okay, so I looked into it and we reached out and, oh, my God, the combination, I still engage in both. Mm -hmm. um, the combination has got me to this life that I love and given me skills that obviously I'm now wanting to share so much faster then either would have supported me on its own. The mm -hmm. way they integrate and support each other is just a whole other level. Like, it's so hard to explain. Like, you know, you feel like you're really kind of having to work with it. You know, you work quite hard in the coaching sphere. But then when you get into the EA, EAL sphere, yes, you're, you're talking, but... It's all about the felt sense. How do we take that and feel our way through it? And the balance that it creates in the 
you know, internally is you just, you know, they're just so supportive of each other. And in both of these skills, like EAL, I the the um I learned this and am still learning this through um the it's called the um it's it's definitely based in Australia. Oh, there it is, the Equine Psychotherapy Institute. Okay. And I think Australia should be so proud. <laughs> it's it's the most incredible um qualification to engage in. And like everything just complements and supports the life coaching. Like it has you asking some really challenging questions, but honestly, so I guess I've said an awful lot to that question, but that is how, that, in very short, that's kind of how I ended up being introduced to both. Mm -hmm. So I thank the Department of Corrections greatly. <laughs> and um, and now it's just all... Um, I guess building as I gain skills from both and then choose to integrate them. And you know, I do life coaching separately, but I'll integrate some of what I've learned there. And then I do the horse wisdom program separately. And obviously I I bring in some of the learning from the um from the life coaching. So it's not so much that, or I can do both. I have one client where we do a combination. But ultimately, it's very holistic and it's very, um, very personalized because it is self-discovery. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a space that is all about you. That's it. So can you tell us like a bit more about the, the equine assisted learning and the horse wisdom program? Like if someone wanted to do that, what does, what does it look like? You know, like... Yeah. We know, I know what a coaching session looks like, but yes. when you got this big animal that you can't, you can't stand them in the room, like how does it work? <laughs> I love Tell that you the are. logistics of it all. So, yeah, <laughs> love it. So the logistics, obviously, it is an outside space, mm -hmm. <laughs> preferably um, covered, but many people, you know, don't have in, indoor facilities. Um I'm fortunate to have good facilities here. Basically, it can be so many different things, but basically the offer to the to the client who wants to engage in it after a kind of a consultation about, you know, why they've come, you know, what what is it that's brought them here, just so that we have some insight and a bit of direction as to what kind of experiences might be offered with the horse that would support what it is they're trying to figure out for themselves mm -hmm. and so then we have a number of horses all practitioners have a variety of different numbers and styles and whatever but ultimately you bring either a group of horses or maybe one horse you know it depends what this client's experience um, what experience will best support that client in that self-discovery area. Mm -hmm. The Horse Wisdom Program is over seven weeks and we we start with like self-regulation and we work through like, um, you know, feeling and thoughts and relationships. There's a, a sort of a, a process that builds as you go. And, but it's all about getting to know yourself and see yourself um, in relationship, mm -hmm. whether that relationship's with life, whether it's with you, whether it's whatever. But ultimately, of course, the relationship with ourselves is reflected in everything else. And I think I said earlier, horses are a wonderful mirror. Have you ever, like you will have since you've spent time with horses, but, you know, people go and they say, um, it's so fascinating to 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 work this way. And you might, someone might say they own their horse, right? And they're having experience and they go, oh, yeah, no, she's just a bit grumpy today. What what leads you to think they're grumpy? Like, what is it about the horse that that the horse that you're seeing that leads you to believe that they're grumpy? And when you ask these questions, 
honestly, 99.9% of the time, the person will go, they'll look at the horse and they'll go, oh, oh no, actually, I think it's me who's feeling a bit grumpy. <laughs> and and then that just, that's just beautiful. Mm. Like no one has said to you, I think you're grumpy. You know, it's a beautiful thing to to express something you know, because we all project, it's a human feature, mm-hmm. but to express something and like the horse is not offended when you call it grumpy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then to realise just through someone else being there and asking a, an innocuous question to get some insight and and to connect with how that feels for you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Because now you start to recognise yourself and as you start to recognize yourself you don't need to project does that make sense I think I'm following you yeah (laughs) so when a person comes and let's say they're having trouble in their marriage yeah so they've come to this horse wisdom program and they're just trying to work on relationship and how they can perhaps work better with conflict so you might say to a person first we always ground so we always self-regulate first and just center ourselves so if you're unsure as a person what that means it simply means coming back to our senses so out of our head into our senses and there's a particular process that we use to support that feeling mm-hmm. and then we might offer the person you know here's willow willow's one of my horses um why don't you go and say hello to willow this is right at the beginning yeah. why don't you go say hello to willow and introduce yourself say and whatever way feels comfortable and right for you so you know you can offer to join them or not that's up to them but this is now their time and they go and meet the horse and they do whatever. I'm just, I'm just there, you know, holding space, watching and observing and noticing. And I might see Willow initially when this person walks up, go to walk away. And the person might stand there, try again, and Willow might walk away. So then the person stops for a minute, gives up, and walks back to me. And that person, I say to her, tell me a little bit about what that was like for you. And she'll say, well, I tried to, you know, say hello or introduce myself, but she wasn't interested. Okay, but I noticed that you you went up to her again after that. How was that? And she says, well, she did the same thing. And I just said, oh, well, whatever. Oh, that's interesting. So what happened when she walked away and and you thought, whatever? Like, how did that feel for you? Oh, she obviously wasn't interested. Okay. So is this relatable to you in any way? Is there any other areas in your life where this you feel this way when you're talking with someone? Can you see how this grows? Mm. Like, this is a very short and tense. We're not going to rush the process, but... This allows a person to then look and go, oh, actually, that's exactly how I feel every time, you know, because you say, how does that feel? And they might say, I just I just feel, feel defensive. I just disconnected. Okay. Is that is that something you, you do if you feel like someone doesn't want to talk to you or meet with you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How does that help you communicate? Oh, well, I don't suppose it it does. Wow. So how else do you think you could perhaps engage that would support connection? Well, I suppose I could just wait and see. Should we give that a go? So she goes back into the thing and she just stands there and waits. And then Willow comes up and starts engaging with her. Now, that's a completely different experience, but it's very healing. That, like, I'm getting a bit teary. <laughs> I'm doing it. 
Like that is so powerful. Giving so powerful. Giving the opportunity to then um for want of a better term, test the different action. Oh, that's amazing. It's it's so powerful. And so you then, whenever we change a way of interaction or being, including with ourselves, because chances are remembering, if they're not being patient about interacting with others, mm. they're probably not being very patient with themselves. Mm. But that's another session. Yeah, you know, no <laughs> that's rush. another conversation. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the beautiful thing is, is as you say, she got an opportunity without pressure, mm. without judgment, to try a different way of responding. Mm. Now, for if, when you know anything about the brain makeup, for us to change the wiring in our brain that's so well trained and learned in one way, we have to test and try different ways yeah. to slowly build a different piece of wiring and to break that connection, right? Yeah. Of the old habit. It's quite difficult. We can do it without thinking. You're well aware of that. Yeah. It can be a challenge and it's hard work. But you add experiential into it and you actually get to experience it like we do as children learning new things mm -hmm. those synapses those that wiring changes and grows stronger at a much easier and quicker space mm. and before you know it you're you're trying a different way and you're like oh my god where did that? I can't believe I just tried that it's that powerful and then mm. you've got all of the life coaching wonder that supports the growth yeah. that you're gaining from it. I'm not saying it's easy. It's quite confronting. Yeah. But it's beautiful. And the life coaching part of it is a little bit less confronting when you have the EAL that supports you in a very feeling, emotional, and felt sense way. And just to be clear to our listeners, when I'm talking felt sense, we're not born thinking, right? We don't have language when we're born. We start at whatever age we have. So prior to that, any learning or core belief that we've got is developed as a felt sense through our senses felt in our body. Mm -hmm. So we usually can't put words to the core beliefs that we've developed between sort of zero and three years old before yep. language. We find ourselves going, well, I just, I can't find the words, but I just feel like. And so when we're supporting ourselves by allowing ourselves the felt sense of the belief, as well as supporting a change in the thought process of the belief, we're targeting it from the bottom up and the top down. And it meets in the middle and it just integrates so much easier. Wow, that's um that's beautiful. <laughs> I really encourage people to just try it. Like Australia has the most wonderful um qualification and practitioners. Um, I know this is an Australian podcast, so yeah, it's it's just yeah. And I actually should have probably mentioned at the start that I'm you're speaking to me from New Zealand. I am. <laughs> so whereabouts are you? So I'm in Canterbury in New Zealand. So fortunately, I'm not going through the pain that my North Island um Comrades are going through currently because of Gab Cyclone Gabrielle, where mm. there's all the flooding and they're losing houses. But um, we had we had our time in the earthquake. Of course, Canterbury was where the big earthquake mm -hmm. was. Um, so, um, but you know, it brings community together. But I I do um, I have many Australian clients through my life coaching, mm -hmm. um, and there are definitely ways to approach EAL. Um, it gets even 
it's a little strategic, but there are definitely ways that we do EAL um, online at times um, if we feel that that's something that would be supportive in some wow. way. Wow. That's fantastic. Either with a person's horse if they have them or can access them or, um, you know, we take my horses and we do it live with the horses. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, we figure it out usually. That's amazing. So what are some of the, um, like the story that you told just about the relationships thing? is mind-blowing what other sort of what other things have you helped people with using Mm. the combination of life coaching and yeah and equine therapy I mean honestly because it's primarily self-discovery it will always help people in any area of Mm. their life um, because obviously we're the one thing that impacts every area of our life Um, (laughs) true I think that's why it's so important. But look, I've I've helped people with so much. I've helped people with um, their work, feeling like they're not valued, um, and then realizing that it actually, you know, like uh, they realize in the end that it's actually not the work that's not valuing them. It's them that's not valuing them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't value yourself, no one else can see your value. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth of it. So, for example, a horse will stand there and do nothing and a person might come away and go, oh, my God, this is so amazing. And you might go, why is it so amazing? Like, what's it like for you that makes it amazing? And they'll go, I don't know. It's just there's just so much value in just someone, you know, feeling accepted and being there. Like, you know, I said, so you, you think the horse is offering a lot of value? what what's that value like how do you identify that you know and they go well they're just there really they're not interested in anyone else they're minding their own business they're just there letting you be you I said so you value that oh very much so they might say and you go is that how you'd like to show up at work or do you think you do well I'd like to think I do Okay, so there's value in that for you at work? Oh, well, I hadn't thought about it like that. Mm. I suppose there is. You know, and I I am there for people at work. Like, people are always coming to me. Oh, that sounds very valuable. You know, so it supports them to identify. Actually, I didn't, she didn't even know that she thought that was valuable. And yet it was something she did for other people all the time. And here she was saying she offered no value. You know? So it's just, it's honestly, it's about getting to know ourselves. I'm not just saying getting to understand and experience how we feel or think. I mean, what's really important to us? What matters? Because as women, honestly, we, you know, we have children, we we have partners, you know, we're, we're usually the bigger giver mm-hmm. emotionally of time and energy. Not always. I know a number of men who do that. Um, but often women tend to give because we've been taught to do this mm-hmm. at our own expense. So mm-hmm. our purpose in life is to give, to do things for others, to be useful. And if we're not those things, then we're not valuable or we're not okay or we're not needed or we're not whatever, whatever that looks like in in any person's story. And so this work allows people to see how they've become who they are and to understand it with compassion, to feel it and to recognise why they might want to hold on to it maybe. Maybe they don't even know they value it. So what do I value? What is important to me? And it's so easy to see when they're with a horse how much they value being still with themselves, Mm. how much they appreciate beauty and freedom. And yet 
they don't give themselves the very things they value most. Mm -hmm. So then we can go, how might that look in your life if you were to give yourself more freedom and value? Like, what would that look like for you? It might be a retreat once a year. It might be asking for more help, like whatever that person's individual story is. Because if you understand your own values and needs, you know how to get them met, mm. whether it's by you or by someone else. Mm. And then coaching supports you in learning how to ask for it. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> little little bit speechless. Um, wow. I never in a million years thought that horses could be such incredible tools for self-discovery. Like, they are teachers. Oh, they, yeah. they can teach us so much about living life and relationships. Oh, absolutely. So can I ask you a question? And mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I don't know if you can answer this, but I'll ask it anyway. Sure. Um, so like I don't have horses myself. I have a greyhound though. Absolutely. Which is kind of like a horse, right? Yes. <laughs> She's huge. And the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, but, so my question is, I notice that when I'm upset about something but not verbalising it, that my greyhound acts differently. She might be mm. a bit more needy or a bit more whiny. Now, my question is, <laughs> is that because that's what's actually happening or is that because that's what I'm projecting onto her because? <laughs> it's both. What okay. a great question. What a, that's such a great question. So first of all, like any animal, dogs, horses, whatever, specifically for me, it's horses, they will always mirror our energy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because they're like we were before language. Yep. Okay, they feel, they sense, and that what it is they feel and sense is our energy. So yes, she is actually feeling that energy. But what I loved most about that, and this is how it works with horses too, is that you says, and she always gets a bit needy or whiny. Mm. Now that's the part that's actually, I suspect if you stop for a moment and really felt that moment you probably felt a bit needy and whiny mm -hmm. like you weren't being seen you weren't being heard your needs weren't being met yep yeah so both is true there's mm -hmm. a thought process of projection and then there's an energy process where she's genuinely feeling your energy and she's finding that upsetting she doesn't know what you think she's not a mind reader mm. your energy's changed and she feels your energy and that energy is unsettling to her and that's how she's experiencing it and then your interpretation of her experience yep. of that energy is where the the information is for how you're feeling and in that moment if you're able to recognize it as we do in eal if we're kind about it and we go, of course I am. Mm. This has just happened. Of course I'm feeling needy and whiny. I'm upset. For sure. Do you know what, dog? Come give me a hug. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, there's plenty of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and then, of course, if, you, if you'd if you had a practitioner or if, if you, you know, you could then use that as the foundation for getting to know yourself mm. so what is it I think I need why am I feeling whiny or needy oh because I've just had whatever happen and I'm tired of being the one whatever yeah you know? and this is where the life coaching strategies has really supported me with quality kind of I guess insight and questioning but you'd never, for me in EAL, I never want to think that that's more valuable 
than the experience of being. Mm. So you might, in that moment with your dog, you could go, how could I be with my dog in this moment that supports her? So I might, if I was a practitioner that we used a dog for a moment, I might say, so you think your dog's feeling needy and whiny? I do. How do you think you could support her at this moment? What do you think you could do to help? Would you like to help her? And you might go, do you know what? I think I'll just sit here and offer her some comfort. Is that what you feel you need? So we never want to go, you know, to say our thoughts is where we belong. We want to recognize and treat the experience as the whole experience. We don't want to get caught up in the thought of it. Mm. So it's it's like a it's a complete feedback loop, and it's a, like, very holistic. This is where the pets' therapy bit comes in. We it give is. them, and it's all making sense now. It's like Absolutely. we give them what we think they need, which is actually what we've projected onto them, which is what we need. So in giving it to them, we give it to us. And we give ourselves that information, that insight. That and is, that's the acceptance. I know. And the acceptance of it. Mm. Who is there someone I would like to give me this kind of comfort? And do I feel able to ask that person for that comfort? And then this is how it builds because if you go, I don't know that I can do it, let's practice with your dog. If you could ask for comfort from him, how would you do that? Now wow. <laughs> I know. It's this truly life-changing. But I genuinely believe that either on its own, as powerful as they are separately, when you bring them together, it is so holistic mm. and it allows you to you know how sometimes when you feel like you've got something intellectually but not emotionally yes and then sometimes in EAL you feel like you kind of get it here but you you don't get it here yeah and I feel like you know it, it just comes from both sides and it allows the understanding to really meet in the middle where you then feel a fullness of understanding mm-hmm. yeah I find it hard to describe, but I think we're doing okay. I think you've done a pretty damn good job. <laughs> like my mind's a little bit blown right now. So. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's amazing. That mm-hmm. This whole conversation, um, I, it really has been mind-blowing for me today. Like I've just learned so much from you and I really – now like it was oh wow doing this stuff with horses that sounds really cool but it's like wow this is like next level amazing work thank you that's fantastic thank you so much for talking about this I'm so pleased you reached out thank you and I appreciate you having me on it's just it's such a wonderful thing to talk about and I just Mm. feel like the more people who know about it the better I could not agree more Absolutely. So before we wrap up, mm-hmm. can I ask you a couple of more questions which are more business related? Yeah, of course. So the first one is what what made you decide to work for yourself? Mm. Um, I think like a lot of people, for me, it's definitely about um, uh, being authentic and about being autonomous, about having a little bit more control over how I help people mm-hmm. rather than just helping people but within another person's framework. Yeah. It's also about integrity for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important to me that I do what I'll say I do and that I actually have the power to deliver on that, mm-hmm. to minimise the maybes. Um And I can really only have the power to do that as my own boss and my own CEO. Very true. Mm. And what, like, what's a big lesson? How long have you been in business for yourself now? 
<laughs> so I've only been in business for myself in terms of up and running. Yeah. Um, because I had a great deal to learn before I took that step. Um, for I would say mm, somewhere between fourteen and eighteen months, maybe fourteen, sixteen months. Mm -hmm. And boy, what a learning curve! I was going to say, how you how have you found the journey so far? <laughs> the journey has been um, a um, an ebb and flow of. Um, you know, joy, fear, uncertainty, and every other possible emotion <laughs> I can think of, <laughs> to be fair. Um, it, it has been amazing. I've really had to dig deep um, on in so many ways. I think the biggest learning for me is I really didn't understand what being an entrepreneur was. And I did own my own hairdressing salon for a while. So I was naive enough to think that I knew and that it can't have been that hard. But I can tell you, that was not true. <laughs> and when you create something from the ground up that's a little bit different and um, requires so much knowledge of yourself to, to create it in the way that you believe is valuable, um, it's still asking the same of me, to be fair. It's the most uncomfortable journey I've ever done, but it's also been the most valuable. Um, yeah. And I highly recommend it if you've got the stomach for it. Absolutely. I always say that, you know, biz, running your own business is just an exercise in self-development, a never-ending exercise in self-development. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I just don't know how you can do it without for <laughs> seeing an ugly side of you <laughs> it has really taught me to to be okay with my ugly that's for sure and what have you done specifically to help support yourself throughout the journey like have you developed you know morning routines or do you have a coach yourself mm, very much so so yes absolutely so I still engage in EAL myself mm -hmm. on a regular basis um, for my emotional well-being, I absolutely engage. I'm still part of, um, you know, the life coaching school um, alumni as well as the self-coaching scholars. So I take advantage of everything that that offers for mm -hmm. sure. Um, love it to bits. And um, I do a lot of self-coaching. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I make time for myself every day in self-coaching. And I've really had to build a practice. I don't really do um, a very, I've always been quite good at being organized, mm -hmm. but as an entrepreneur and holding yourself accountable, that's been a bit more tricky. Yes. So I really have had to build a self-discipline. I have a bit of a routine where I'm like, okay, this is what I plan to do these parts of the day, but they're negotiable. Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to negotiate them on the day. And then I have another area of my day that's blocked out and that's non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. Okay, there are exceptions. So I have a bit of a protocol, um, like if someone was dying or, you know, went to hospital or something, but in terms of it's otherwise non-negotiable. And anything to do with work, so this call was booked in during that non-negotiable time. Mm -hmm. I book anything that's negotiable in my non in my you know, negotiable time. So mm -hmm. my time with my horses that can be flexible and negotiable, that's in my negotiable time. Yeah. And that's about as close as I get to um, that kind of Monday or one strategy. Yeah. Or, you know, really the time. Because I tried doing that, you know, and I just, I resented it. It was like, no, I like to feel like I've got some freedom. Yeah. So that's how I balance that for me. I, I allow myself freedom plus I require myself. And this really came about because I realized that I, I had not been doing a great job of it, by the way, for some time. And I kept self-coaching and was not doing a great job of that apparently either. And then eventually <laughs> I got to this place where I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually not just my own CEO because they talk to us about that. being your I'm actually my only employee. Yeah. And I have to be an employee for myself. Yeah. And as an employee, I have certain requirements, or as an employer, I have certain requirements. And so that mindset gave me a very different view of how I needed to 
um, choose my time. Mm-hmm. And now, and I've implemented that, and I just continue to remind myself, this is the time when I'm an employee. Mm-hmm. My flexible time is when I'm a CEO, because sometimes I choose to work then. I like that. That's interesting. I haven't I haven't heard it put that way before. So one last question. What do you do when you're not working in your business being a coach? I suppose you probably spend most of your time with your horses. I was just going to say that you probably know <laughs> the answer to that. Yeah. Without a doubt, my horses are the place I go and I spend a lot of personal time with them. Um, I adore my um husband and I do help my daughter in her business ventures but yeah primarily yeah it's horses for sure I honest to god I could talk horses live and breathe them (laughs) fantastic well thank you so much for your time Pam and being on the episode today thank you Um, where can our listeners find out about you Sure. So I'm my um, website is www.pampool.co.nz. Um, you'll find me there. And I'm also on Facebook, just under Pam Paul um, Self Discovery. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, um, although to be fair, not very um, viewable, but I, I am on YouTube and TikTok. But I only go there when I'm doing the odd video. Um, yeah, I'm just giving free content. Yep. Yeah. So I sum. So primarily Facebook and my website. And of course, you can subscribe to me for free on my website. And subscribers get um, bonus and subscriber only content. Oh, fantastic. It's um, not available elsewhere. So if you really kind of want something a little extra, just subscribe for free to my email list and you'll get some special stuff wonderful well i'll put all those details in the show notes so anyone interested can go and check you out and learn some more about the wonderful work you do that's so fantastic this is the first time i've done this and it's been really enjoyable thank you so much for having me oh it's my absolute pleasure (laughs) you've been an absolute delight (laughs) thanks for tuning into our podcast if you enjoyed it hit subscribe If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time, take care and drink responsibly.